Praise the Lord. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Let's continue in prayer. Father and our God, we continue to lay our lives before you, Lord. Father, we come with surrendered hearts, Abba Father. We pray, Lord, that this afternoon you'll speak to us, that you'll speak to our hearts, Lord. We pray that you take away every distraction, Abba Father, that, Lord, we will all sit at your feet and hear your voice. We pray for the online church, those that are in offices, those that are driving, those that are their workplaces in different places, Lord, that your word that is not limited by distance will reach out to them, Lord. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will descend upon us and do a great ministry in the midst of us, Lord. Father, anoint my lips and empty me of any self-will, Lord, and use me as a vessel to bring forth your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord and good afternoon. My name is Tusuvira John, as I have been introduced. I am a believer. I gave myself to Christ many years ago. In 1994, I think, before I began school, and that gives me the confidence to stand before you today to bring God's word. Our topic this afternoon is shining to bear fruit, taken from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 9 to 12, and I'll read. For this reason, we also, since the day we had it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened by all might according to his glorious power, for all patience, long-suffering with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Praise the Lord. It is believed that Apostle Paul did not visit the church at Colossae, and by the time he writes this episode, Paul was in prison awaiting his, uh, his trial by Caesar. It was written... In AD 63, message came to Paul that people within the church at Colossae had started preaching a strange doctrine that needed his intervention. There was a group of people at Colossae, which was a mixture of pagans and uh, Judists. So they were preaching a new message and telling people, claiming that it did not matter how a person lived, and what they did. And so this kind of strange knowledge had taken away Christ out of the church. The special knowledge had very little to do with Christ, and it actually told people that coming to church and worshiping God has nothing to do with your other life. And so the apostle writes to the church at Colos, and he expounds to them the importance of Christ in their spiritual growth. And this is what we see in the first verses of our episode. Paul gives the church a message and he tells them to remain faithful to God. And since the men and women that were preaching this strange doctrine were from within the church, Paul writes and encourages believers not to be taken up 
by this strange doctrine. Friends like the church at Colossae, what was happening in this church is very much applicable to the church of Christ today. There are so many strange doctrines that are being preached in the church by the so-called men and women of God. And one of these that is so much preached is the gospel of grace. Our young people are being taught strange things in the fellowships where they go. They are taught that what you do with your body, what you dress, does not matter. God looks at the heart. And these doctrines are being taught all over the place. The men and women of God have taken advantage of the young people who do not want to fully surrender to the Lord, and they have taught them these strange doctrines. They forget the words in that hymn that says, take my life. This hymn reminds us that who we are, we are meant to worship the Lord. It says, take my hands and let them flow at thy impulse. Take my voice and let me sing always only to my king. Take my silver and my gold, not a might will I withhold. Take my feet, take my hand, take my intellect, take my heart, take me the way I am to worship the Lord. This is the message that Paul was trying to tell the believers at the church at Colossae. And friends, if we do not take heed, these things are knocking at the door of our hearts. There are Christians who do gambling, who go to casinos, and most of them, when you talk to them, tell you, I don't booze, I just sit with friends. You see, friends, the, 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 the hymn has told us that take my hands, take my hands, Lord. These hands were not created to go to a casino and manipulate a slot machine. Gambling is a dangerous game because it's the only game where you benefit after another has lost. And so as you celebrate your victory, someone is crying. You have actually stolen somebody's resources. And so our feet are not meant to walk to the casino or to walk to any other place. Our feet are part of our body and our whole being is meant to worship and praise God. And so even our feet are not supposed to lead us to places that have got nothing to do with Christ. Our eyes, the only way you can know that the program you're watching is not applicable to a believer. I want you to picture if God, if Jesus came and find you watching that program, will he say praise the Lord? One time I was speaking to someone who smokes and he told him, but I do it, it's to me alone. What has it got to do with your Jesus? I told him, can you light a cigarette and smoke and say this is to the glory of the Lord? This is the doctrine that was being taught in this church. There's also a preaching these days against marriage. And this is with a very common pastor who disturbs my head. Who is encouraging his believers that a wedding ring is just a metal, it's not biblical. He tells them that there is no wedding in the Bible, there's no priest to ordain the wedding because it has never happened in the Bible. He's actually staying with a second wife and he has a very huge following behind him. And this is the strange doctrine that he's teaching. Recently, I was following a, a, a news item on one of our televisions about a church in Iteso, whose headquarters is in Ethiopia. They were told to sell all their belongings because they were going to heaven. 
Their loaded daughter Lori crossed to Kenya and moved, and they are looking for them up to this day, and they have not yet found them. Friends, we need to read the Bible as a whole, not merely reading verses that apply to our situations or reading the Bible to please ourselves, but we need to read it holistically. Last week, the servant of the Lord was teaching us about holistic redemption, and he says it involves your whole being, your soul, your mind, and so we ought to worship God fully with all that we have. The other thing that Paul tells the Christians at Colossae is that they have not yet attained, they have not yet reached the level where God wants them to be. And that's why this strange doctrine was being preached in the midst of them. He encourages them to keep on progressing spiritually. He encourages them not to be stagnant. And brethren, let us not think that we have already arrived because we come in church, because we pray. We must move up on higher grounds, on higher grounds where the Lord expects us to be. There are times when a national water sends out messages that we will not have water because there is a system upgrade. Umeme does the same, the net telecom companies also do the same. But friends, as humans, we also need a spiritual upgrade sometimes. We walk and get exhausted. We get soaked up in our offices. We get soaked up with the family events and so many things to the level that we need a spiritual upgrade in our lives. I want you to think about a vehicle that moves and has not been serviced for a whole year. That vehicle reaches a time and stops moving well. And so as believers, we need to continue servicing our lives. We need to continue telling God that we need you more and more in our lives. And I want us to look at a few things from this text. Number one from verse nine is to be filled with the knowledge of God. Remember, we are addressing a topic called shining to bear fruit. Just like at the church at Colossae, how can we believers today shine to bear fruit? Number one is to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. One of the things that is taking us astray today is the knowledge and wisdom of man. Recently, there was something that was invented called ectolife. Ectolife is the world's first artificial womb. A man and a woman go there, they take away uh, what they take away, and this is a huge building where they have made uh, small containers and in them they have put what is inside the woman's womb. And this is connected to your phone through an app which is installed in you or on your phone. And so your baby is placed in this natural womb and the baby grows as you monitor the growth and progress of your baby on your phone. And people have embraced this. Very soon conceiving and becoming pregnant will be a thing of the old. We are altering God's original plan and will for our lives in the name of human knowledge and invasions. 
The other thing also is about uh, companies that are making robots. People now no longer have to move around to look for wives. This company, you will give it the, 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 the qualities you want in a woman and they will design her for you, then you'll go and pick your wife. So this is how far human knowledge has gone. We forget one thing that we have forgotten is that the devil is not a creator. Friends, the devil is a manipulator. The devil manipulates what God has created and tries to feed it in minds of people. And very soon we are going to see Christians going for this. People already having maids who are robots. Companies are now having workers who are robots because they want to save. And this is how far human knowledge has gone against the knowledge and the will of God. Hallelujah. But in such instances, what do we do as believers? We ought to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Friends, this is the foundation of our Christian character and conduct. This knowledge of God that we are, coming, we are talking about comes through meditating and reading the word of God. The Bible tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but also by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. It is so, so, so dangerous to move without knowing what you, God's will for your life is. There are people you meet when you're going to Kalero and you tell them he's going to Mukona and you tell them, please escort me to Kalero. Then it's okay, let's go. When you reach Kalero and buy what you wanted to buy, you say, but I'm delivering this in Atete. They don't tell you, let's go. When you reach Natete, it's late and say, please sleep over. Tomorrow I'm going to Mukona. I'll drop in. They say, okay, let me sleep over. As you go to Mukona, the following day you're passing through Mukona, you're going to Lugaza and tell, let's go to Lugaza. I'll drop you as I come back. And they say, yes. This happens to us spiritually if we do not know what the will of God for our lives is. We shall be taken up, we shall be tossed about by the waves of the world simply because we are ignorant of what the will of God is in our lives. Friends, our desire to know the will of God should be so intense that we think about it, that when we sleep we dream about it, we talk to others about it, but ultimately, practice it. When I was growing up, throughout my primary and secondary, I was doing well academically. But one time I watched a program and someone had a severe kidney disease and they were saying we have few experts who treat kidneys in the country. I said I must do urology to treat kidneys. After one month I watched another one who had a very bad heart problem and we are saying we are short of cardiologists in the country. I said, no, God, I want to be a cardiologist because I think there is a problem with hearts. Months later, I saw another one who had a severe brain problem and was being flown out. And we are saying we have no neurosurgeons. I said, God, now I think this is my call. I want to be a neurosurgeon. People are suffering. I want to treat them. One time I went to pick my sister at the airport and I saw a pilot coming out of an airplane. I said, God, I'm sorry I want to be a pilot. You see, when you do not have direction in life, this is what happens. Little did I know that God would later on place me at the pulpit to preach his message. I am now content. I know this was God's will for my life and I'm abiding by that. So friends, let us understand what God's will for our lives is. It's only then 
that the strange doctrines that are being taught in church will not take advantage of us. Hallelujah. Secondly, the second aspiration that Paul encourages the Christians at Colos to take up if they want to shine, to overshine the strange doctrine that was in the church was to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And this is in verse 10. And as we earlier looked at this strange doctrine that was being taught in church, well, Paul answers, Paul gives them an answer as he writes to them. And he says, let the knowledge of God be full in you. He does not only tell them that have it, he tells them be filled. There's a difference between having and being filled. When you have a bottle of poison in your hands, you cannot die. But when you fill it up in your body, that is when death comes in. So he tells them, having the knowledge, talking about it is not enough. He tells them, be filled with the knowledge of God. Friends, I want us to think about this God whom we serve. In Revelations chapter 4 and verse 12, the Bible says that it is he who is worthy to be praised. He says that it is he who deserves all greatness, all honor, and all the glory. Friends, this scripture talks about the supremacy of this God whom we come here to worship every day. And so we ought to honor this God in the way we conduct our lives. Friends, the Bible says it's a mystery. For us to understand I know God is a mystery. Not that every human being understands them. The fact that you are here, this mystery was revealed to you at some point. We must therefore conduct ourselves in a manner that is befitting to give honor to this God that we worship. And so if we do not walk worthy of him, we become unworthy of the Lord. And it is so dangerous for believers who walk unworthy of the Lord because we are the reason why other people have refused to come to the Lord. They keep looking at us and say, if a Christian is like that, then better for me who is not there. I'd rather not go there. And so we ought to conduct ourselves worthy of the Lord because you do not want to be the reason why people do not want to get saved, but rather the reason why people would love to get saved. Hallelujah. I want to ask a question. Is God pleased with what he sees in you? It is said that the real you is you when you are alone. Possibly when the door is locked up and you're you, you, you yourself. That is the you that God knows. Not the you that comes to church with a heart that is somewhere else. <coughs> is your walk worthy of the Lord? It, it costs. Sometimes you have to choose between you and your friends. Between you and the things that you love most in order for your walk with the Lord to be worthy it. As I draw to the conclusion of this, I want us to look at the third thing that Paul talks about. 
and that is to be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. This is the third and final aspiration we ought to have. We notice that verses, we notice that the verse says that this strength will result in three things. First, it will make us patient. Patience is the ability to keep going even when everything inside you is about to quit. Patience enables us to keep believing in the promises of God even when it becomes so difficult <clears throat> for us to believe. In the book of Romans chapter 1 verse 20, the Bible shows us that Abraham staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Friends, the only way you can do this is to be strengthened in the Lord. His strength will give us patience. The second thing that Paul talks about under this is that God's strength will enable you into long-suffering. You will then be able to resist temptations, as we see in Ephesians 3, Ephesians 6, 10, and 11, that says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Friends, you can effectively resist temptations to sin only when you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When Paul was troubled by a difficult trial, which he called a thorn in the flesh, <clears throat> friends, the Lord did not take it away. But he said to him, my grace is sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. That was the, the, the response of Paul. Thus Paul concluded, most gladly, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. This is the only power that can bear us through all storms of life. It makes us resilient. God's strength enables us to get back to our feet from wherever we have fallen. The third and final thing that he talks about here in verse 11 is that this strength of the Lord will result from us embracing the joy of the Lord. There is a difference between happiness and joyfulness. Happiness is when good things happen to us and we express it probably through laughter. But joyness is independent of circumstances that happen around us. Have you gone to visit a patient in hospital and they have a smile? And a doctor has told them you have three months to die? That is the joy of the Lord. That is the joy of the Lord. And we can never attain that joy through our human nature. We can only attain it through walking with the Lord. So this is how you, we can walk worthy of the Lord consistently. That we be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Not our own power. Friends, paradoxically, we have to be weak in order to be strong. I was somewhere speaking and I was telling people that let the weak say that I am strong. Then one person shouted from the congregation and said, but are the strong willing to say that we are weak? And he said, until the strong say that we are, we are weak, the vice versa will not happen. 
but we are strong in our weakness. You see, when you're weak, you have total dependence on God. I happened to take care of my father in his last days for about 18 months. I was by his side. And this old man grew strong spiritually. Every time you entered the room and asked him, Daddy, how are you feeling? He would tell you, I'm fine. I have no pain. And he would actually pray for you. In the entire one year that he was sick, everyone who came in to pray for him went away prayed for. Because in his weakness, he only looked, looked to the Lord for strength. Friends, when we are weak, it is an opportunity for us to show the Lord that, God, we are strong. We are not only strong in good times when good things have happened to us. We shouldn't only be strong at a time when, the, when we are enjoying God's blessings, but also in such times. Let us show God we are totally dependent on him. There is one of our parishioners here. He's an old man. He usually sits around there on Wednesday. This man was very sick in Nakasero Hospital. And he called the provost at around 10. And he said, provost, come and pray for me. They want to take blood out of me to do a sample. But they have tried 17 times and the blood is not coming out. She called me and we drove there. On reaching on his bed, the man said, bring a hymn book. And he told the daughter in Iteso to sing that song called Nearer to Thee, O Lord. But we saw the daughter trying to dodge around because he did not want to sing the hymn for the dad. But the dad insisted that is the song that I want to be sung. So we pulled out our phones with the provost and sang the hymn in English. But he kept on singing it in Itesu and crying to the Lord and said, Lord, if I'm to come, let me come in your hands. We were so touched by this man that we had to kneel down on the dirty floor of the hospital and raised our faith to the Lord. We were there up to, we were there for about 30 minutes and he prayed with this man and he said, I'm now fine. The Lord is my strength. I am healed. <clears throat> we went home and at around 11.30 he called and he said, the sample of blood has been taken and the blood has been taken to the lab. The following day in the morning, he called and said, Provost, whatever I eat, I vomit. Come back and pray for me. She said, I'm not coming, but put the phone closer and pray. She prayed, and then she called me and told, please continue in prayer for this old man. We believed God for this old man. And at lunchtime, he again called and said, I have eaten kalo with fish, and I am getting stronger. That very day at around 8 p.m., he called and said, I slept off about one hour and woke up. And the swollen feet were getting to normal. Two days ago, I was in the house and saw the man coming, walking. I was in shock. I almost ran away. No, I, I, I did a medical course. And there are certain things you look at a patient and say, this is just a process, a stage in death. And that is where this man is. Glory be to God that I did not look at him with a medical eye, but with a spiritual eye. 
And so when I looked at him coming, walking, the medical aspect came back and he said, is this man alive? The man said, I am alive. He was walking on his feet and he said, I am going home. Praise the Lord. The only opportunity you have to show God that his strength is your joy is when you're weak. At that moment when you have lost a job, at that moment when things seem not to add up, when you have no one to clear the bills, that's the time that we ought to be strong in the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me bring this to a conclusion. I want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, that we ought to move out and shine and bear fruit. We shall not bear fruit in darkness, but in broad daylight. I'm sorry to keep talking about my father, but one of his favorite scriptures was in Matthew, and he kept on telling us that, my children, you are the salt of the earth. Salt loses its taste once, and it will never be salty again. He says, you are the light of the world. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowel, but on a lampstand where it gives light to everybody in the house. And as believers, that we also that city that is set on a hill that can never be hidden. So the only way we can shine to bear fruit is to have that at the back of our minds, that we are light. Even in darkness, we remain light. And so we ought to shine the whole, the whole of our being, whatever we do. When I was still in my high school in Busia, I, I used to worship from Busia Miracle Center once in a while. You know, there were spiritual battles in our Anglican church as usual. Things of the Holy Spirit were forbidden, praying for the sick was forbidden. And so once in a while we would want to move out in a fellowship that re-energizes us. And there was a man we used to call Musei. He was a very prayerful man. And we used to pray together. Ten years later in Mukono, I had a friend, a pastor friend of mine who has a church in Mukono, and I used to go there once in a while. One time he comes to pray, and he comes with the other man I used to worship with ten years ago, and he says, this is my elder brother. And he had a testimony about me, I had a testimony about him. So God is not limited by distance. Wherever we are, let us know that God is watching us. And I want to encourage us to move out and shine for the Lord in our offices, in our workplaces, in our families. I'm a father and my daughter, my firstborn, is, is about nine months now. And every time I wake up to pray, I carry her from her bed when she's sleeping and put her on the prayer mat. Because I want her to grow up knowing that this is where we draw our strength from as a family. And even when she moves out, I want her to know that. Every night I do this, I carry her to the prayer mat. And we pray together. And when I was preparing this, she kept on tearing papers and doing what? I told her we shall do this ceremony together. Whether you tear them, whether you pour their water, we shall do it together. And we did it together. Because I am showing her the light. As a preacher here, that's how my people will see my fruit growing up. 
So our fruits come up in so many different ways and we ought to be dependent on God and God alone. Praise the Lord. Let me request us to rise up and pray. Father God, we want to thank you so much for this lunchtime fellowship. Father, we humble ourselves down at your mighty hand, Lord. Father, we are sinners that are not worthy to come in your presence, Lord. Father, we have walked in ways that do not please you. But Father, because of your grace and your mercy for humanity, Father, you have revealed the mysteries of your kingdom unto us, Lord. And Father, not only have you done that, but you've told us that we are co-heirs in this kingdom. What a loving and glorious Father. And so, Father, we empty ourselves to you this afternoon, Lord. Father, we pray that you search our hearts, Abba Father. If there be anything that does not please you, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'll empty us, Lord, and that, Lord, you'll occupy the throne of our hearts, Abba Father. Friends, I want you to surrender any habit anything that is still left within you that is not of the Lord, I want you to surrender that particular thing to the Lord because it is that thing that will be used as a testimony against you in future. It is that thing that your children will inherit and they will not be able to bear fruits and move out and shine for the Lord. And so, Father, such as we surrender to your will, Abba Father. We are nothing without you, Lord. We cannot hide anything from you, Lord. Father, search our hearts as we bow down at your feet, Lord. Take away every discomfort that is within us, Lord. Give us grace to forgive our bosses, to forgive our spouses, to forgive our children, and to forgive those that have hurt us in so many ways, Lord. That, Father, we shall bear fruit that, Father, our walk with you will not be in vain. That, Lord, we shall not individualize our salvation. But, Lord, we shall move out and be that city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That, Lord, we shall be that light that lights up in the darkness and cannot be hidden, Lord. That, Father, our love for you will be unstoppable, our Father. In our families, Lord, at our places of work, Lord, that we shall come out and shine for the glory of your name. Abba Father, we pray that you take over our lives, Lord. Consume us in your presence, Abba Father, that we have nothing else to look to except to you, Lord. Father, there are those of us that are weak, but Father, your, your strength is displayed in our weakness, Lord. Father, give us grace that in our weakness we shall be strengthened by your word, Abba Father. Lord, in our sicknesses, Lord, that we shall be strengthened by your word, O oh God. You have promised us, Father, in your word that you will transform us in a twinkling of an eye. And so, Father, let our physical appearance not be a hindrance, God. As we await for that day of transformation, as we await for that day, Father, when you'll come for your church. Father, give us grace to shine for you in the name of Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for the online church, the men and women that take off time in their offices to listen to your word, Lord. Father, we pray for that office where the online church has been tuned on, Lord, that, Father, you will cause transformation, Lord. 
in the homes where someone is on the online church, Lord. Father, we pray that you meet their needs according to your riches in glory. Father, visit your people, those that are driving, but on this lunch hour, but Father, we pray that your grace will be sufficient in the name of Jesus. And Abba Father, I thank you for every man and woman that is gathered in this place. Father, I pray for your power that heals, your power that breaks the yoke, that you'll break every yoke that Father has disturbed your children, Lord. That, Father, you'll heal every disease because you tell us in Psalm 103 that you forgive all our sins and heal all our diseases. Father, no disease is exceptional to this scripture. Your word tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, we command every disease to bow at the name of Jesus. Every infirmity to bow at the name of Jesus. And we pray above Father that every evil force will bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We pray, Father, that we'll move out of this place as your children filled with your Holy Spirit to move out and shine and bear fruit so that people who see this fruit will find meaning in coming to the Lord. Father, we thank you and bless your name. And to encourage someone who does not know the Lord to repeat this prayer both here and online. Say, my Father, I come to you this afternoon. I am a sinner. I acknowledge my sin, God. But I come before you today that, Father, you'll wash me. you cleanse me, Lord. Father, I choose to turn to you. I choose to walk in your path, Lord. And, Father God, I pray that you receive me in your kingdom. Father, I pray that you bless me, bless my life, and guide my walk with you. I want to pray the final prayer for all believers, that the Lord will strengthen us in his might, that even as the church is infiltrated with all kinds of doctrines, that we shall not be shaken. Father, I pray for every man and woman here, that, Father, we shall be that house that was built on a rock, and when the storms come, it remains stronger, but Father. We build our salvation today on the rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. And Father, each man and each woman here represents a family, represents an office, represents a department in government. We pray that all these departments, Lord, will be built on you, the rock, our redeemer, and our savior. We give you praise, glory, and honor, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.